Welcome to Strange Talk. Hey there, strangers. You guys asked for it, so I'm delivering. We're going to listen to another batch of disturbing 911 calls. You guys uh, actually reached out to me a lot, and you said uh, that some of the calls weren't really that disturbing, so I'm going to... You guys wanted some more, and I'm delivering to you guys. You guys wanted another round, so here are some more disturbing 911 calls. A couple of you guys said that um, I believe it was the suicide one was the one that got a lot of you. You guys did say it was it wasn't disturbing. It was just really really sad to to have to listen to that. Although you guys weren't really forced, but. Some of you, uh, I had a couple of people reach out to me on my social media, which is um, at Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram. Um, I got a message from a couple of people saying um, to give an update if anybody had, if I had any information. And I was actually able to find some information. Um, and I'm referring to the call in the first um, 911 calls. His name was uh, Randy Bud, and his wife was Sharon Bud, who. If you don't remember, she was the one where they were driving on the highway and a group of teenagers, some fucking asshole teenagers, decided to throw a rock off the bridge um, and the rock hit her in the head. Um, in the article that I found about that 911 call where I got the audio from, they had said she passed away, but she actually did not pass away. I saw the... Uh, I found another article that gave more details as to what happened and she actually survived but due to the severity of her injuries she actually became mentally challenged and so she needed 24 hour around the clock care so her husband randy actually took care of her and even more depressing and i I, i'm really sorry i was really hoping that this would have been a happy ending that you know she was fine but due to her having constantly to be taken care of and just the medical expenses and just so much stress on Randy, he unfortunately took his life. Um, I believe it was his sister or his sister-in-law that I found out discovered his body. And due to an autopsy report, it was discovered that he had committed suicide. They didn't give the details as to how. I couldn't really find anything. So I have no idea how he took his life, but unfortunately he did. And it's only my speculation and assumption that the reasoning he took his own life was... The last thing he said to, I believe, his sister or his sister-in-law, a lot of the families that are grieving his death, they said that he was really stressed out because the medical expenses were just just too expensive. And, it, and that just goes to show the type of country we live in, that it's sad that this man just could not deal with that stress. And they had to rely a lot on the GoFundMe. But I guess there is a silver lining to this because after he committed suicide, they set up a GoFundMe page and people just poured in and just donated an immense amount of, 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 of money and they were able to not only pay for his funeral but there was enough left over to cover most of the expenses for Sharon and it was really sad because in the, in the article that I found uh, it showed them dancing together but he said that it was sad for him to have to see his wife go through that because although she was she survived and she was living he felt she was not the same woman um, that she was before because she constantly needed care. She couldn't even feed herself. She had to. She couldn't really walk. He had to have her help her walk, um, and she just needed 24-hour care. And he just could not deal with that. So that's like again, I said my speculation and assumption that that's why he ended his life. And that's just really fucking sad. And I hope that these teenagers will be charged with his death as well even though he did commit suicide it's just really fucking sad and not only sad for him but just that just goes to show you that our country is kind of backwards when it comes to the things that are more important like that's sad he had to end his life because just the amount of money that it took for him to try to keep his wife as comfortable as possible and he he was working two jobs it said in the article and he just could not keep it going any longer so it sucks to start this episode off on a sad note but then again you're on strange talk and you're listening to uh disturbing 911 calls part two so without further ado let's get into it 
Joe Case County 911. What's the address of the emergency? Yes, ma'am. I, I, um, I just shot my daughter and shot all my grandkids. And I'll be sitting on my step. And when you sit here, I'm going to shoot myself. What is the address that you're at, sir? 2550 Northwest, 25 Paris, downstairs. They're, they're, every one of them are dead. Hey, you said your name is Don Spirit? Yep. Alright, Don, what kind of gun do you have? It doesn't matter what kind of gun I got. They're all dead, and then when you get here, I'll shoot myself, and then you figure out what kind of gun it is. How long did this happen, Don? I, I, I don't want to hear it, man. I'm done with all, every fucking thing. Just bring the motherfuckers out here, that's all. You got all the kids are dead in the house. Okay, how many people? Okay, how many people? Six kids, one adult. Six kids and one adult? Yeah. One of them is a baby. Alright, Don, is there any way you can stay on the phone with me until I get somebody there to help you? What's that? Can I ha have you stay on the phone with me? No, I'm no, not that. I'm waiting for them to get here. When they get here, I'm going to shoot myself on my back step. All I'm doing is waiting for them. Stay so you on your back steps? Yep. So that first phone call was from Donald Spirit. Um, the reason why he killed his family, well, he killed his daughter and her six children before taking his own life. And the reason for that was because he claims that his daughter had met a Hispanic male who made her turn tricks for money. And he could not stand the fact that his daughter was, in his words, a whore and selling her body for money. And he did not want his grandchildren to live a life with a mother who is a prostitute. That is why he claims he did what he did. And he was just stressed out about the whole situation. But uh, apparently there, the, that local um, sheriff department were pretty much familiar with Donald Spirit and his family because they've been called numerous times to his property uh for d domestic violence issues uh they also got caught growing marijuana Woo, marijuana! they also uh got caught <laughs> growing marijuana uh in his home so apparently they were no strangers to the police their local um, sheriff's department so that's why he killed his six grandchildren and his daughter and then when the sheriff's department showed up he went back inside as they were pulling up to his home and he did what he said he was going to do. He came outside with a semi-automatic pistol and shot himself in the head. So, yeah. It's pretty sad. Uh, this was the last thing he said before he actually shot himself. Uh, he said, her kids were not worth a shit. Tell someone to come get them because I don't love them. I hate them. Um, I'm sorry, that's not what he said. That's what he said a day before he actually committed um, the heinous crime that he committed. Uh, the last thing he said was he apologized and he said he was stressed out and he just couldn't face the fact that his daughter was a whore and turned into a prostitute. And the kids were not going to live this kind of life, in his words. And then he proceeded to shoot himself in the head. So that was Donald's spirit. So this next call I'm going to play is of an elderly woman who calls 911 reporting that a some strange man came to her front door so asking her if such and such lived here she didn't give a name and she said no no one by that name lives here uh, i live alone so he proceeds to her back door because there's an apartment back there and he's still claiming to look for such and such man and again she tells him that no one lives here by that name um i live alone again and this is her audio call from the 911 dispatcher um listener warning it does get pretty intense so uh you've been warned the audio may get a little loud as well what's the problem ma'am oh there's some guy been um uh, taking the place out no well he went in the back i have an apartment in the back and he said he was looking for a guy and he comes to my door and yeah 
and uh, said he's uh, looking for an apartment. So I'm real, I live alone, and I'm an old lady. Mm -hmm. where, where is he now, ma'am? I don't have no idea. <laughs> So that really disturbing uh, phone call, uh, I couldn't find much on it, but all I could find was that the call was made in 1988, and uh, the elderly woman's name was Ruth Price. Um, from what I could find on this phone call was that she was an elderly woman who constantly called 911. So I imagine the 911 operators usually were aware of her and just thought it was some kooky old lady that just would call because either she was bored or she was just slowly slipping into senility. Uh, but I did find that she was killed by a, that prowler. Um, it wasn't said if he uh, raped her or anything, but unfortunately uh, she did die. And it's actually used as a training video because uh, in that in those times in 1988, 911 operators weren't really trained on how to properly deal with uh, emergency phone calls. Because the first and foremost thing that is done today is that you are before anything else, you are supposed to find the location of the person calling. That is the number one most essential thing that 911 dispatchers have to do. Um, is they have to find out where you're at um, after you know that the, the caller explains the situation they usually number one rule now is that you have to find the location and that call is used as a training as a training source to just train dispatchers to remember to always get the location so this next bit of audio is not really a 911 emergency call but i thought it was disturbing in the sense that this actually really did happen um and it's it kind of freaked me out uh, when I first heard it, uh, but what happened was in 1994, either 1994 or 95, uh, someone hijacked Columbia University's WKCR 89.9 radio signal, and they proceeded to play some disturbing noises. You can basically hear a voice and some loud, eerie, like, it basically sounds like a high pitch, like as if somebody's saying E. And uh, later, after in between those noises, you can hear a woman's voice reading off obituaries and names of people who died in the 80s. And one such prevalent name is of Robert Oppenheimer. And if you don't know who that is, he is basically the father of the atomic bomb. He was the one that was um, helped create the bomb. He's basically the guy who created the atomic bomb. He was the one that was coined with um, I am the Alpha, the Omega, I um, and the bringer of death. I'm probably totally fucked up what he said um i don't actually remember what he said uh per se but i believe it was along the lines of that i'm paraphrasing so i apologize to anybody who's a purist and wants exactly what he said but he said something along the lines of that so this audio once again is pretty fucking weird especially if you're driving in a car i'm sorry for you but you're probably gonna get freaked out but if not maybe i'm just a fucking pussy i don't know uh we'll probably go with i'm a pussy but it, it is kind of freaky, to say the least. So, here's this audio.
You're tuned to WKCRFM New York, 89.9 on your dial. Columbian music is running a little late. It will be starting in a few minutes. So that was that creepy call. I know it wasn't a 911 call, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless to put it in there. So, like I said previously before we got into the actual audio, it was a hijacked signal from a local radio station in New York. And that was what they proceeded to play, whoever hijacked it. They still, to this day, never found out who did it. And as I dug deep to try to find more information on this, some people say that it, it was, I found on Reddit, somebody had came up forward and said, somebody came forward and said, hey, you know, it was me. I was um, working at the radio station at that time during college um, through an internship. And I would purposely do that because I found what we played so boring that I thought it would mix it up and make it a lot more entertaining for me. So that way I wouldn't fall asleep. And it used to be funny because we would just claim that the, the radio signal got hijacked. Um, nobody has actually reconfirmed and say, yeah, that's true. A lot of people said that they remember legit legitimately hearing that, um, on their drive to work. Some people said when they were going to school, they heard it. So again, that happened, I believe, in 1994 or 1995. Um, so yeah, I thought it was creepy nonetheless, and I'm not going to lie, as I was listening to it, because I have headphones, and they kind of have a surround sound in them, I, I guess, to try to fucking explain. I'm not going to go through the int intricacies of the fucking headphones that I have, but anyways, they have, it sounded like the voices were behind me, so it kind of freaked me out, and... I kept looking behind me because I was in my room by myself editing the audio. And I'm not going to lie, it kind of fucking freaked me the fuck out. So this next call 
is of an elderly couple just after dialing 911. A man by the name of Michael S. Malrose. Malrose. Fuck, I butchered his name. Fuck it, I don't care. He's he's a fucking douchebag anyways. Anyways, so a man by the name of Michael S. Malrose had just broken into the elderly couple's home named Harry K. Butler and Eugenia Anderson. They were living in Ohio, and just as she called 911, he broke in. You don't hear any of that. The call picks up after he already had broken in, and there's a scuffle. And the dispatcher can clearly hear that something's going on, and Eugenia is is pleading with him to spare her life. So I'm going to be playing the call, and I'll go into the details afterwards. 911, where's your emergency? Hello, 911. Oh my god, I can't! Oh my god! 911! This is 911. State your emergency. Hello? Where are you? Rebuild. Oh, I can't. Your, your 911 will come back up. 911, where are you? Hello? I can't help you if I don't know where you're at, honey. Oh, my God. Where are you at? Oh, no, no. Where are you?
That's how I was saying. Oh, I got a swan. Hell. Dispatcher Sellers, Pickwick County Sheriff's Office. I got a 911 call from the center. I'm just trying to make contact back and see if everything's okay. We're fine. And we were having a little argument. And okay. Yeah, that's well, whenever we get a hang-up, we have to call back and, and see, you know, if anybody needed help and just couldn't get through. So um, I just need to log the information. Who am I speaking with? My name is Harry. Harry? Uh-huh. Harry, what's your last name? Finch. Harry Finch. Okay, and I had you at 5386 Fairfield Road. That's correct. And phone number 614. That's also correct. Okay, and um, is there anybody else there with you? No, she, she took off down the road in her car. Okay, she left the residence? Yes, she did. Okay, what kind of car is she in? It's a, a Saab. Okay, a sob like a sedan? Yeah. Okay, hold on for me, Harry. deputies out there, it's standard procedure to send somebody, so I need you to open the door and talk to them, okay? Okay, are they here yet? 228. I believe they just pulled in. Okay. Okay? Thank you. So that was the phone call of Michael S. Melrose. Um, Eugenia was the one that called, and she called it. as soon as she called, Michael broke into her home where she lived with Harry K. Butler. Um, the information that I found, he had already killed... He didn't kill, actually, Henry Butler. He actually shot Henry Butler in the head when Michael had just broken into the, the home uh, in a previous room. I guess he tied him up, took him to his bedroom, and shot him in the head. He, survived, he didn't survive fully, but he was alive during this whole time that he was proceeding to beat and murder Eugenia, um, Henry succumbed to his injuries uh, when they transported him to the hospital. So he died on arrival. Uh, as for Eugenia, when you're hearing the phone call and she's saying and she's begging and pleading for her life, he's actually tying her up. And when it gets quiet, it's because the reason for it getting quiet is because he actually drags her to her laundry room where he began where he then proceeds to shoot her in her torso and eventually shoot her in the head killing her uh, you don't hear the gunshots that's why it just goes silent for them when, when he returns and he gets on the phone call he's actually explaining he's not explaining but he's actually just trying to you know as you can tell he's trying to just play it off like as if you know they just got into an argument and that's what they heard and no uh, but the reasoning for him doing what he did to Eugenia and Henry was because they hired him to build a porch for their home. And I guess something happened. They don't really give the details as to what. I tried to look everywhere in, in a bunch of news articles I, that I found. I tried to find any information as to exactly what went down. The only thing I could find was apparently he did not finish with the porch. He, he or they didn't really, he didn't really do it to his, the, their specific liking or to their specific, you know, whatever their details is that they were given. He, they didn't really like it, so they felt like he, they didn't, he didn't deserve payment. So he just went fucking psycho and just decided to kill him. He was 41 at the time of this. and uh, So after he gets off the call and the police arrived, they arrived during the call when the operator says, hey, I believe there's some W's out there already that are there. So you know if you want to go outside and go talk to him. So he proceeds to go outside, and as soon as he does, he draws his weapon, not on the police officers, but he draws the weapons, pu putting it up to his head and immediately ending his life. So he's dead. <laughs> uh, but good riddance. Uh, that really sucks that he chose to do that and he chose to kill those people. And it's unfortunate um, that he 
chose to end his life. But I guess some people can handle prison, and I guess he thought he couldn't, so he just decided to choose the bitch way of just ending his life and not dealing with his with the consequences of his actions. Hey, strangers, before I continue on with today's episode, I just want to let you guys know that my friends at RockStrulyShop.com is offering my listeners a discount code, and that's StrangePod. So use StrangePod to save 15% off any purchase at RockStrulyShop.com. That's R-O-X-JewelryShop.com. And save 50% off with any purchase by using my discount code, StrangePod. Now, back to the show. Now, this call is of a little girl. She's about six years old. Her name is Lisa, no last name given. Um, she's calling 911 because her father is apparently drunk. At least I think that's what she says in the phone call. I believe it's what she says in the phone call. That uh, Because he owns a club. He's a club owner. And I guess his job is really stressful. And to top it off, makes it worse is he drinks. And I guess he's beating her mother. It's her stepfather, not her actual father. But it's her stepfather and she's you can obviously tell in in the tone of her voice and everything she's very scared and this isn't something that a little girl should be witness to um now this is the phone call that she calls in and this phone call was actually used later in the future as a training tool for future 911 operators and dispatchers um, so i'm going to get into the call and i'll go into the details of the aftermath Okay. 
So that was the call that Lisa made, and that happened in November of 1991. She was only six years old at the time, but believe it or not, that was not the first case that she's ever had 911 called, because apparently these uh, beatings on her mother and her siblings, because as you heard in the call, she had a newborn baby brother and another sister um, that apparently Pierre, the stepfather douchebag, uh, apparently, you know, pushed her down to the ground and and shit like that. And it's really sad, but her story doesn't actually end there. Uh, after I'd done some digging, I found out that um, it wasn't the first time Lisa witnessed her mother being beaten continually. When she grew up, she shared her story with child protective service workers to help educate them about domestic abuse. She told them that were, there were 23 documented cases of child protective services coming to her house and that she nor her siblings were ever taken away from her mom. She said that she wishes she had been, although she admitted that she would not have wanted to leave her mom initially. She said that in the end, it would have been a better situation. Her childhood experiences had lasting effects on her life because Lisa, unfortunately, she had such low self-esteem that she actually ended up in the same type of abusive relationship that her mother shared with Pierre, her stepfather. And that is just so sad because that's usually this the cases with these type of if you if you grow up in in um in a home like that as such that lisa grew up in that tends to be what happens later on to the children they they tend to just go into those type of relationship because they think that's normal especially if they observe it at such a young age they think the abusiveness of it is normal and they will seek out attention like that because one, they have such low self-esteem, so they just think that's how a relationship is supposed to be because they saw it growing up, and it's actually not. It's not until they actually understand and learn that that's not what a relationship is supposed to be like. But she finally broke the cycle of violence and found the strength to leave her ex-boyfriend when she was pregnant with her second child. With help from people who took the time to encourage her and help her heal and support from the child children of domestic violence, Lisa's life began to change for the better. She shared her story on their website and wrote, My journey isn't over. I still have many lessons to learn and obstacles to overcome. I'm just not afraid to take them on. There will always be good and bad. That's really the only thing you can count on. The cycle proved that and so did breaking it. I have not been in another violent relationship since, and I am now free to make the choices I want and achieve the goals I set. Knowing that I have broken the cycle has made the biggest impact in my life and having people who saw in me the makings of success have made it that much more meaningful. And like I said uh, before I got into the call, Lisa's call went on to actually being a training tool to help future 911 operators to learn how to deal with situations and to 
tactically calm down the person who's calling for help to get them through it and to help them better deal with the ordeal that they're witnessing. And it's really sad because domestic violence are usually the number one calls that 911 dispatchers have to deal with. So this next call is of Jacob Henderson calling, stating to 911 dispatchers that his wife, Sarah Henderson, just murdered his two kids by shooting them in the head, both of them, at point-blank range. One was seven, the other was two. And in the background of the phone call, you can hear Sarah distraught and panic, and apparently she's trying to commit suicide herself, saying, why did she do it? I'll go into further details after the phone call, so here's that phone call right now. Henderson County, 911. Yes. My, my wife, my, my wife is shot What is her name, sir? Sarah Henderson. Sarah Henderson? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right, and how old are the children? Seven and five. <laughs> And they're in the bedroom? Huh? Are they in the bedroom, sir? No, they're in the living room. They're in the living room and they're not breathing? No. Were you home when she did this or did you just get home? I was asleep. You were asleep? That was a phone call that Jacob Henderson made about his wife who murdered their two children. Um, it wasn't the first time that the police officers from their, the local police officers had to come out. Apparently she was, neighbors had called her, called about her before, um, about her arguing on the phone with someone and nobody knows who she was arguing with or why she was arguing. Nobody has the details of that. I couldn't find anything. The only thing that was reported was that when officers pulled up, she hung up the phone, but prior to her hanging up the phone, she was just simply saying, why, 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 why? And um, they found out at that time that for some reason she had it in her head that she somebody was out to get her. So she was basically suffering from paranoia. Um, but when Jacob called this time for the audio that you heard, uh, he had called maybe about two hours earlier stating that he needed someone to come check his wife because she was acting very strange and she kept she, she was saying that somebody was out to get her and then 20 minutes later after he placed that call he called back 911 on emergency saying that he he thinks his wife seems fine now so he doesn't really think he needs to help any longer so then two hours after the call is the call that you heard um after she killed his two children and it's unfortunate, but after an investigation happened, detectives found after they searched the home, they found a diary which Sarah had wrote in there stating that she planned to kill her children and planned to kill her husband and herself. So it was going to be a murder-suicide type of thing. But obviously that plan didn't come to fruition, whether she had remorse or she, after killing her children, she realized and was in shock of what she had done. I don't really know, but it's it's just unfortunate that these two children had to lose their lives, and you can hear in Jacob's voice um, his demeanor and how sad he is. But uh, I don't want to judge him per se, and it's going to come off sounding as judging, but I just don't understand how much of a heavy sleeper he is where he could not hear the gunshots. Then again, they, I 
read no details as to what type of weapon she is, the caliber of, of weapon that she used to kill her children. But I, I have to wonder, how can you not hear the gunshots and then wake up? Because even in the phone call, he says, she, I, she woke me up and told me I shot the kids. But, I mean, you know, nobody knows what they'll do when they're in that type of situation. So I'm not judging. I'm just saying I find that a little strange myself. So this next call is going to be the last one. And I have to warn you, it is one of the most disturbing calls there is. It involves a five-year-old boy. I'm sorry, a four-year-old boy, not a five-year-old, four-year-old boy who's calling 911 because he needs help. And it's just a very disturbing call. So I'm warning you right now, it is one of the most fucked up, most sickening calls that your ears will ever hear. So I apologize to you if this is not something that is for you, it's fine. But it is one of the most disturbing calls you would hear throughout this series. So again, it is of a four-year-old boy who's calling because he needs help. So here's a phone call. Yeah, I need some help. What's the matter? What's my mouth? Was it your mouth? It was my mouth. I have to do it. Will you help me? Sure. Where do you live? No, it's my mouth. Yeah, I know it. Where do you live, though? No, I want you to talk to me on the phone. No, I can't do that. I can send someone else to help you. Okay, um... What kind of mask do you have that you need help with? I have, I have takeaways. Oh, you got to do the takeaways? Yeah. All right, what's the problem? Um, you have to help me with my math. Okay. Tell me what the math is. Okay, 16. Yeah. Take away 8. Uh-huh. Is what? You tell me, how much do you think it is? I don't know, 1. No. How old are you? I'm only 4. 4? Yeah. Yeah. What's another problem? That was a tough one. Um. Oh, here's one. Five take away five. Five take away five. And how much do you think that is? Wasn't that just the cutest fucking thing you ever heard? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I know it wasn't as disturbing, and probably some some of you guys are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> but I thought it would have been nice just to clean the palate after all the death and misery of others. Um, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of disturbing 911 calls. Um, I just want to give you guys a big thank you for uh, constantly coming back and listening. Um, you guys really helped me uh, confirm that I want to keep doing this and I want to keep growing and I want you guys to grow with me. I'm actually thinking of doing a Patreon. So if you guys want to reach me at Instagram, at uh, Strange Talk Podcast, um, you can reach me there on Instagram and let me know that, yeah, you'd be down to actually do a Patreon. I'm, I'm thinking of certain things that I want to do because I want you guys to want to want to be a Patreon. <laughs> like you know to support me and so i'm thinking of things to do i'm probably going to do a couple things and obviously when i get to them i'll announce them so make sure you follow me on instagram at strange talk podcast so that we get the updates of when i actually launch it and when i figure out what i'm doing with it um also if you want to just reach me and talk to me about a topic you can dm me on instagram at strange talk podcast or you can email me at strange talk podcast at outlook.com so if you want to just reach reach out to me and just send me some ideas for a topic if you want me to cover certain like topic you want me to cover then just go ahead and reach me that way also i'm announcing that um after this episode which will be um premiering on monday so you're listening to this on a monday um but after this episode i'm going to be tackling my very first serial killer i wanted to do other serial killers before but i felt like everybody's already done them to death everybody knows about the night stalker everybody knows about jeffrey dahmer jeffrey dahmer is like basically a well-known serial killer few people i think have done hh holmes and i will eventually do him because i do find him like very fascinating but who i'm going to be doing as my first serial killer is going to be richard trenton chase and if you don't know who that is he is also known as the sacramental vampire um and he was a pretty crazy motherfucker uh so i hope you guys are going to stay with me and you know don't forget to subscribe so you can 
hear that episode when I do get to it. But I've been researching Richard Trent Chase for quite some time now. Um, I want to I want to try to do it the best that I can because I want to provide you guys with great content so you guys can keep coming back. But yes, this was going to be my first serial killer, which is Richard Trent Chase. And I hope you guys will stick with me and enjoy that episode. And I'm going to try to do it the best that I can. Um, so I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to subscribe and rate it. And as always, stay strange. <laughs>